Hey there, the BRICS summit, which positions itself as an alternative to the G7, wrapped up recently where it announced its first expansion in 13 years. But will it really be able to tackle the biggest economies in the world? And what is China looking to get from it? I'm Aaron Young, let's get started. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. Hello and welcome to you. While Russia's invasion of Ukraine has proven how closely the West can work together when need be, it's also shown that not everyone is satisfied with the US-led order. This is where BRICS comes in. BRICS, if you're not familiar, is a collective of Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Put them together, you get BRICS. They're starting to say enough is enough and to the US as well as its allies. More importantly, perhaps to the US dollar as well. But what do these countries have in common and do they have enough to actually sway the reality and challenge the G7 with China far and away the largest competitor. What is the role of the group? For more, let's bring in David Zhang from China Insider. At first, this feels like it's a real threat to the Western world order that BRICS is essentially coming up on the other side. My biggest question is, what is India and South Africa doing alongside bedfellows like Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin? What do they get out of being part of this? Yeah, I think the flavor of the BRICS really changed over the years from the original economic development group to now it's really a geopolitical playhouse for China. Uh, and you see India and South Africa, clearly democratic countries, uh, based on public opinions, India, at least out of all of them, highest uh, unfavorability to China. So I'm really questioning how long India can even stay in the BRICS, given how geopolitics in Asia is really dominating the narratives right now. And I think that's what we're going to be watching out for. India is a really interesting one here because they do not get along with China. We know there have been border skirmishes for decades there between the two. They're both the largest uh, countries in terms of population size around the world. India just taking over from China. But India's relationship with Russia is interesting as well, particularly at a time where the West obviously putting a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on countries stuck in the middle like India, obviously. They want to get away from China in terms of manufacturing, move things like Apple factories to India, which they are doing. But who wants to be in business with people who buy their weapons from Moscow? Right. It, it's something that I think worth is worth hours on discussion. But to keep it short, I think India is uh, it's moving closer to the U.S. It's going to take some time. But I think over uh, perhaps the next decade or so, we're going to see India rise up as the alternative for manufacturing for for uh, population wise to that of China. And I think this is going to uh, we're, we're going to see some shifts from India's foreign policy towards Russia. Uh, uh, and I, I do believe that India wants to be closer with the United States. Uh, uh, what this does is really it threatens China's existence as a manufacturing hub, as an global exporter. And I really think that India is in a position to take over uh, from from China in those respects. So I, I do threaten threatening factor for China in the BRICS too for that aspect. Yeah, and obviously the first expansion in 13 years of BRICS as we see them try to welcome in other countries as well. No doubt there'll be Pacific Island nations who'll be looking across saying it doesn't hurt to play both sides. They're finding out pretty quickly that either China will build you a port or Australia and the US will come along with more regional aid under the guise of climate change. So what are we trying to do in terms of keeping these countries on side? Because the West cannot afford to really have a stronger union. It will become a essentially like World War II, where you have the Axis and the Allies, won't it? The, the Pacific Islands are really important, but I don't think the United States is doing nearly enough. It is trying, but I don't think it is doing nearly enough, simply because I think uh, 
the the great power show competition that the United States does only focuses on the big guys, and whereas they, they they're really good at getting into those places they need help after you know whether that's an earthquake or a tsunami or typhoon. Uh, but I do think that this is something we need to pay attention to, which is China's global mapping. Right? They have Africa, they have Latin America, they have Central Asia. Locked down by giving them money. So, is there some way we can do uh, buy by win them over with values? Uh, I, I think it's it's worth to explore. But with money, I, I think that's where the U.S. is lacking a lot. But I know they're trying. Uh, but still, you know, we need all the help we can get, especially when it comes to what's happening in Asia. And I think the BRICS, uh, when it does expand more, I, I do hope that it. Can show us some concrete actions, but over the years, I haven't seen anything that's that's very concrete in terms of what the organization has accomplished. In fact, if you look at the current members, almost all of them have an economic downturn,、uh, except for India. Yeah, it's interesting when we talk about、um, some of these middle countries and and what the West can do to try and win them over the United States, etc. They often say, "Look, you come with lectures; the Chinese come with money." That's why we went that side.、Uh, that's how the one belt one road policy came about. The trouble with that, though, is that. China can't afford to prop up the rest of the world, though it spent its money in Africa. It spent its money. It now needs to prop up its own economy, as you and I both know. So that kind of gives a something for the U.S. to do. The other really big unknown is, according to opinion polls, Donald Trump is very likely to become the president of the United States again、uh, at the end of next year, the beginning of 2025, after that election. It feels like Donald Trump would feel more comfortable in BRICS than the G7. That's a very interesting take because、uh, what we're now looking at is a perspective of the West.、Uh, but with the BRICS, my view is that it it's failing its objective to,、uh, especially Aaron. After you said that it has given up so much money. Once China stops giving money, many of these countries would simply leave because they no longer, you know, they're just in it for the money. Now, with regards to the the American election, I do think that it's it's going to be a pivotal point. But I. Do think that some policies are actually going to remain consistent, and one of them is、uh, when it comes to dealing with China.、Uh, I do think if we are to talk about Trump, his past record with the trade war would tell us that he could potentially、uh, go up against another one. So I'm not really sure if BRICS or the G7 is really his his cup of tea, as you know he's also pretty unfriendly with some of the allies like Germany, even asked Japan, who is one of the most staunch allies, to do more. Uh, so I think with that we'll have to look as we get to it. But I do think that there is a lot to、uh, to talk about with China as how much money they can continue to give, which I do think it's going to be a big question mark going forward. Well, I suppose the point is is the United States under Trump. He's playing to people who don't want the United States to be involved in overseas wars, to have all the military bases, to be propping up things like NATO. He obviously last time he was president, he wanted countries to spend two percent at least GDP. Look at Germany; they have since done that. Japan has since done what Trump called for during his presidency in spending more money on their own military as opposed to relying on the United States to do it. The question will be whether that will have an impact on some of these other countries that may find themselves knocking on Beijing. Beijing's door. The question will be whether Beijing is now in any position to be able to answer back to play the U.S. off against itself. This、um, rise of BRICS—no one had ever heard of BRICS 20 minutes ago—but、um, we're all talking about it now because China essentially is saying. We don't want to be on our own here. We want to bring together a partnership of people. So if you come and knock and 
you can't get to us, but maybe you can get to one of the other countries involved. Is that your take? I think that what we have to look for is whether or not those relationships uh, truly matter. In some cases, they do. Uh, but I, I think what we're seeing now is with the American diplomacy, I think it you know, I question a lot of what they're doing, but one thing I think is for certain is that with Biden or Trump, uh, the main goal of, of trying to compete with China will remain. Now, I think that the approaches are going to be very different, but uh, from what we've seen, for example, Vietnam is a really significant change. Uh, country that's been changing, which started with Trump and now under Biden is also doing it, which is countries, they are getting a lot of benefits from the United States. Some of them aren't getting reported in the news, uh, but Vietnam is one of the countries is also another. Uh, I think those are, are going to be the situations we have to look for, where it actually matters when it comes to dealing with China. And what happens to trade alliances as well? Because when we talk about BRICS versus a G7, are we talking about military or are we talking about trade? And then there's the US dollar, obviously, where um, these countries seem to be getting together to try and get away from the US dollar as a way to impact the American economy. I'm really confused about what the role of the BRICS really is. Is it trying to unseat the geopolitical side or the economic side? Either way, I just I simply don't see the BRICS doing that because, uh, you know, country like, for example, Argentina says they're going to use the yuan to trade. Uh, but that, that's because our, the Argentinian uh, government is out of the dollar reserve uh, or with Brazil as well. So I think those situations, we have to examine them further. Uh, but I don't think it's happening. De-dollarization. All right, David Jang from China Insider, as always, thank you so much for your time. And that is the program for now. For more, you can head to tickernews.com. Aaron Young, do hope to see you soon.